Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Today is our last day in Message on the Move. We've been looking at how good news meets real people in the book of Acts. And this is our last day in that series. Next week, we're going to be moving on to Romans, the book of Romans, and do a short series in the book of Romans, as we'll be in that in the F260. But today, as we wind down, we're going to be asking the question, is God working? Is God working? And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 16, which is when Paul starts the church in the city of Philippi. But we're going to be doing that through the lens of Philippians 1.16, which is a verse that he wrote to the people in Philippi. And as soon as I say that verse in a minute, you will recognize that verse because it's a very famous one. But before I read that, I want to just pray for a moment and ask God to bless our time in his words. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we ask that you would illuminate your word to us, that as we read it and study it and press into it, it would press back into us, and you would speak to our minds and our hearts, and you would encourage us where we are despairing, that you would soften our hearts in places where we are prideful and that you would show us again the beauty of your commitment to us. And all God's people said, amen. Every family has some activities that they love to do. I know some families that love to go to the beach, like that's their thing. Other families, they love to go out to eat together. Now, our family has many activities that we like to do, but one of the activities that we do fairly frequently is look for the television remote control. Once a week, I hear, Dad, where's the remote? And then I respond with, well, where was the last place you saw it? And our family usually spends about 20 minutes per week looking for the TV remote control. And you all have been through this. You know how this goes, right? You you don't know where it is. And you just kind of, you do the like, in the living room, you just kind of do the surface level looking. You look on the TV stand. You look on the stand right by the couch. You look kind of on the couch and then you don't see it. And that sort of ups the ante. And then you have to ask everyone, well, did anyone take it when they went to get something from the fridge? Can you go look in the kitchen? Can you go look in your, in your bedroom and make sure it's not there? And then that's like level two. And then when it's not there, level three, you've got to sort of get down and dirty in the couch, right? Now, at first, I don't like reaching into the couch to look for the remote, but then I realized there's a good chance you're going to find some quarters when you do that, and you can actually make some money if you're the one who's willing to dig into the couch but if you don't find it, then, then you got to go level four. And level four is you have to remove all the cushions from the sofa. And our sofa has like 10 cushions on it. So it's, it's quite a feat to see these little girls hoisting up sofa cushions and putting them on the ground. And inevitably, we always find it at level four. It's somewhere buried there in the couch. And it's interesting, right? Like, um, you, you don't see it until you really look for it. 
Sometimes my kids will look for the remote, and when they don't find it after level two, they're tempted to just quit and say, I guess it's not here because I can't see it. But it really depends on us being willing to look for it. I think seeing God work is similar. Sometimes it is hard to see God working. If we are honest in our lives, as we get up every day and we fulfill our responsibilities to our family and we go to work and we do the things we're called to do, there is some point where we go, is God working? I don't see it anywhere. I'm looking, but I don't see where he's working. I don't see where he's working in my life. I don't see where he's working in my place of work. I don't see where he's working around me. And I've looked, I've looked deep, and I still don't see it. Now, sometimes that has to do with our own expectations. Sometimes we believe that God only works in blessing us. And so if we don't get the blessing that we want from God, we assume that God doesn't work or he's not working. On the other side of that, we assume that God doesn't work in suffering. So if we're in the midst of a challenge or a trial or a hardship or suffering, we automatically think God must not be doing anything with this. The only reason that, the only thing that God would do in this situation is get me out of it. And so we're not looking for God to work beyond removing the trial from us. And so we walk away from not getting the blessing or from staying in the suffering going, I don't think God's working. I don't see it. I've looked hard And I still have the question, is God working? Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 1, this famous verse that you've heard. I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who started a good work will continue to do a good work. He's done a good work, he's doing a good work, and he will continue to work in his people until Jesus returns. That's what that verse is saying. But we don't often realize that this verse has a backstory. There's actually a story to understand this verse in Acts chapter 16, where Paul actually goes to Philippi for the first time And through his time there, he sees God working among these people, these Philippians. And if we're willing to sit in that story, I will believe that we will be able to see how God is working in our own lives, in our own spheres of influence, in our own homes. And as we see it, the question will be to us, not is God working, but are we willing to participate with God as he works? Paul goes to Philippi, and his custom was to go to the synagogue and meet with other Jews and share with them about how Jesus was the fulfillment of the story of Israel. But in Philippi, we don't think there was a synagogue. And so Paul went to a river outside the city. He knew that there was a prayer meeting there where women gathered to pray. And the women there, they weren't Jewish. They were in a category called God-fearers which meant they were Gentiles who tried to follow the Jewish religion. And as Paul goes out there and he 
begins to talk with these women and share the good news of who Jesus is, he meets a particular woman at this prayer meeting named Lydia. In verse 14, it says, a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. Now, Lydia was Asian. She was also probably wealthy. And the best way to describe her would be that she was a fashion dealer. To be someone from Thyatira who dealt purple cloth, that was like Thyatira's thing. Purple cloth was like this royal kind of feeling of clothes. Maybe it was like the Gucci of clothes today. And Lydia was someone who dealt that clothes. In other words, she was a fashion dealer. So she's wealthy, she's Asian, she's into fashion, and God works in her life by putting Paul in her path. She's just going to a prayer meeting outside the city at the river, and God works in her life by putting Paul in her path. Because one of the simple ways that God works is by putting people in our path. God works by putting people in our path that he wants us to minister to, that he wants us to have a spiritual interaction with, that he wants us to build relationship with. I want you to think about your life, the people that you interact with every day, or maybe those surprise encounters with people. Have you ever thought about those as people that God was putting in your path to simply talk to, to love on, to share who Jesus was? Part of the problem is that you and I don't see God putting people in our path. We simply see that people are in the way. When I lived in London, uh, there was always crowds everywhere, especially when you would ride the tube, when you would ride the subway. And you just kind of have to walk fast and deliberately. And if someone is in your way, you don't have time. You just got to move around them. Well, I picked up this habit when I was in London of just walking fast and deliberate. And I would, and so if you come up on someone, you have to move around them. And I'll find that I'm in other public places like Disney World or like the mall, and I still walk very intensely and fast, like my family's trying to keep up with me. But what gives it away is when I walk up and I'm right behind someone and someone can hear me coming, and they turn around like that, and I did not realize that I was walking so intensely to get them out of my way. Now, that's a metaphor, but what about in your own life? Those chance encounters you have with people. We can be so busy and so determined to go where we're going to go and do what we're going to do that we don't see that those people that are in our way are actually people that God has put in our path to minister to. One of the ways that, God's work, that God works is by putting people in your path to minister to. The question is, though, do you have eyes to see it? Do you have eyes to see it? What if God has been putting people in your path over and over and over again and you just haven't had eyes to see it? You would be missing out on how he wants to use you to, for his purposes, how he wants to use you for his work. 
Because God works that way and also by opening people's hearts. God works by opening people's hearts. It appears that God has already been looking at Lydia. But not just looking at Lydia, he's actually been working inside of her. So that when Paul sits down with her on this chance encounter and he presents the gospel to her, she's ready. She's not just ready, she's interested. She's intrigued. The words that he's saying are the words that she needs to hear because God has already worked by opening her heart. Now, I know that as you and I think about sharing the gospel with other people, sometimes the reception we receive is disinterest or hostile, even hostile. But what if God is calling us to be consistent in presenting the gospel to people no matter how they respond? What would it do for your own soul to look with hope and go, you know what? I don't know what God is going to do when I share the gospel with that person. I read a statistic that it actually takes people seven times hearing the gospel before they they get it, before their heart is fully open. Now, what if you were sharing the gospel with someone you were presenting the gospel to them and their heart wasn't fully open because you were time number three that they'd heard the gospel and they still had four more to go. Would you be open to being used by God to share the gospel with them a third time? Knowing that someone was gonna have to follow up after you to present the gospel to their open heart later. God works by putting people in our path, but God also works by opening people's hearts And the call on us is to believe that he is working and share the gospel knowing that he can open someone's heart even if their heart is hard. But Lydia's heart wasn't hard because God worked. And in verse 15 it says, after she and her household were baptized, she was baptized because she believed. She urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. After she comes to Christ, she accepts Paul and Silas and probably Luke into her home and welcomes them as family. The first person we meet is Lydia, and God works through a gospel presentation to her. But the next person we meet in Philippi is an oppressed slave girl, and God works through a gospel invasion in her. Now, there's this girl that begins to follow Paul and Silas and Luke around, and she is demon-possessed. And she has this special power that this demonic force inside her gives her, and it's the ability to tell the future. So this demonic force helps her see other people's future. But here's the thing. This girl is not free. She is owned as a slave by people who exploit the spiritual power she has in order to make money. So they invite people over, come sit down with this girl, she'll tell you your future if you'll just pay us a little bit of money. So this girl is doubly oppressed because she's oppressed by a demonic force. Not only that, she's owned as a slave. But as she follows Paul around, Paul begins to get annoyed with her because the demon in her begins saying things. He begins speaking through her. In fact, look what it says in verse 17 and 18. It says, 
As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Now, Paul is probably greatly annoyed because he's trying to share the message of the gospel. And here's this girl who's a fortune teller following around, being like his hype man, right? And he's like, I don't have anything to do with her. I'm not about what she's about. I'm about Jesus. She's possessed by a demon. And so he's getting annoyed because the message is getting mixed up in the audience's mind. But as he's greatly annoyed, it says, he turns to the spirit. He turns to the spirit and the girl and he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. God worked through the name of Jesus. God works with power through the name of Jesus. God works with power in our lives through the name of Jesus. This is why we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's no greater authority than Jesus Christ who has been placed at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. One of the things that I love to do with people who don't yet know Jesus is ask if I can pray with them. Pray with them for whatever's going on in their life. Maybe they're struggling with illness. Maybe they're struggling with infertility. Maybe they're struggling to get a job. I don't know what it is. But I ask them, can I pray with you? And then I tell them, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know what God is going to do but I know that there's power in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't control Jesus, but Jesus controls all things, and I call upon his name to be gracious and merciful and use his power in this person's situation so that if he does work and he does cure their illness or if he does open a door for a job or he does fix the infertility issue, they will know who did it. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did it. I would encourage you, if you want to step into God's work, even as you talk with your neighbors, as you talk with your coworkers, just tell them, how can I pray for you? I want to pray for you in the name of Jesus and see what Jesus does. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. In this story, Jesus works and uses his great power against the dark forces of Satan. This girl is influenced by demonic forces in her life, and Jesus comes and pushes them out and invades her with his power and love. That's incredibly freeing, isn't it? To think that Jesus could push out the dark forces and influence of Satan But I think something happens, and it's worth a warning to us, because sometimes when you and I struggle to see God at work in our lives, we turn other places. We look for power in other places. And I think there's a temptation for Christians at time to look into spiritual forces that are not connected to Jesus. I know a lot of times people say, I I follow Jesus or I want a part of what Jesus is doing, but I I have this shrine in my home that I kneel before and pray to. I know I'm a follower of Jesus, but over this Halloween weekend, all my friends are playing with this Ouija board, and it's just for fun, right? 
I know that Jesus has the future, but it would just help me rest a little bit if I just went to this palm reader and asked him or her about what my story, where my story is headed. Friends, it is a struggle to see God work at times, but do not sell God short by going to the very enemy of God and asking for his help because these things are not neutral. This influence on this girl is not neutral. This is a dark spiritual presence in her life that gives her incredible power and yet oppresses her. And as as the people of God, we are called to run away from Satan and his demonic forces and to turn to Jesus, even if we can't clearly see him, because he has great power. The work of Jesus, the name of Jesus, is meant to free us from our spiritual chains. So don't run back to those chains, even if you struggle to see God work. Sometimes Jesus' power frees us from chains, but sometimes he works in us even when we are in chains. You see, Paul By calling out in the name of Jesus, Jesus works and he frees this girl from this demonic power. But then there's problems. There's trouble. Because this girl no longer has this fortune-telling power. And guess who's mad about it? The people who enslaved her and owned her. They're really mad about it. Not just because Paul messed with their property, but because now they no longer have a source of income. They can't use her to make money. And so they go to the officials of the city and they say, this Paul and Silas guy, they're doing some sort of Jewish hocus pocus here and they messed up our business. And Paul and Silas are taken and beaten publicly and then they're thrown into prison. But thank God that God works in our suffering. Look, verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. God sometimes works to free us from our chains, but sometimes he works even when we're in the midst of the chains. Paul and Silas free this girl but end up in prison, but God works miraculously in the midst of their suffering to free them. Now, is this earthquake a huge coincidence or is it the power of God at work for them? Have you ever seen God work in the coincidences of life and you just know it's not a coincidence? There's no way this earthquake just happened at this particular time, at this particular place. There's no way that this door opened for me at this particular time, at this particular place. It, it, It couldn't have been a coincidence. It was God. But here's the thing. You and I so quickly forget about those coincidences, right? God did it once, but we forget about that and go, he won't do it again. And then we forget that he has worked in our past miraculously. There's a tension, though. There's a tension in this story that comes up right now because we meet our last character in Philippi. 
we meet this character who is a jailer. Now, if, if Lydia was high class, upper class, and if the enslaved girl was lower class as an enslaved person, here we have this jailer who's kind of like a working class guy. He's an army guard. He works at the jail. He's, in, he's responsible for keeping the prisoners in the jail. And if the prisoners escape, it's not like, oh, man, I, I messed up, or even like, I guess I get fired. There's so much more honor in this culture with the role as a soldier. And so if he loses the prisoners, if he loses Paul and Silas in the middle of this earthquake, it is like he and his family have been marked with shame forever. And so he wakes up and sees what has happened with this earthquake and sees all the jail doors open and immediately thinks, this is the end. I would be better just to take my life than to live the rest of my life in the shame of this failure. In verse 27, it says, when the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. I wonder, before the earthquake, how Paul and Silas felt about God working. I mean, they had seen this woman, Lydia, converted. They had seen the power of Jesus in this enslaved girl. And yet here they're in prison going, is God working? But they believe in faith that God is still at work, even though they can't see him in the midst of their suffering. And what does it say they do? They sing. They sing in the midst of their suffering. And when the earthquake happens and the doors are open and the jailer's ready to take his life and Paul says, stop, don't do it, something clicks for the jailer. See, as an army man, he's probably a man of action. How he lives with discipline and duty matters. And when he has heard Paul and Silas singing to this God all night and then sees the power, the coincidence of this God, and then sees that Paul has not run out but is voluntarily saying, don't kill yourself, man, we're still in here. We care about you, we're still in here. He goes, what in the world is going on? He sees the gospel of Jesus demonstrated in a way that did not make sense he sees God working in the midst of Paul and Silas's suffering. This is challenging to think about, but have you ever thought about your own suffering that you're going through as an opportunity for someone else to see God working? We don't really like that, do we? We want our suffering to like be over with as quickly as possible. But here in this story, we see that as the jailer sees Paul and Silas singing in the midst of their suffering, something happens in his heart. Our God is one who uses suffering to point people to himself. 
In fact, in 2 Corinthians 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God works as we sing in our suffering, and what that means is our pain isn't pointless. Our our pain isn't the absence of God working. Our pain can be the very center of what God is doing in our life and in the lives of other people. In verse 33, it says that after witnessing them, after witnessing this, the jailer took them the same hour of the night and he washed their wounds. Wow. He goes from imprisoning them to serving them. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. God works as Paul and Silas sing in the midst of their suffering. I want you to think about what you just heard and how you think about the evidence of God working in your life. Is it that God is totally silent and not working? Or is it that you're not always aware of the way in which God works? If you think about a river that's flowing by you and you stand to the side of it and you go, it doesn't feel wet, but you haven't put your hand in it. It's not that the river's wet. It's just that you haven't jumped in. What would it look like for you to participate in the work of God by praying for people in Jesus' name, by being willing to see where God might be working in people around you and stepping into their life with the love of Jesus Christ to be a demonstration of the gospel to them? What would it look like for you who are on a spiritual journey and not sure you are a Christian to begin to look around you and see how God might be working by placing Christians in your path. Sometimes people say, I don't see God working, and so I can't be a Christian. But God works in such simple ways by putting Christians in your path and changing us together. The story winds down in verse 40. It says, after leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters and departed. Can you imagine this scene real quick? Uh, Lydia and her family, the wealthy Asian fashion dealer, probably the enslaved, oppressed girl, the jailer, the working class jailer who almost committed suicide, all of them together with Paul and Silas and Luke, all of them together and Paul saying, You see how God has worked among you? Here we all are in this room. Several days ago, you didn't know each other, but now you know Jesus and each other because God has worked among you. That's why he so confidently writes in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you, you all, you group of people in Philippi, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Friends, God is at work among us. God is at work when we are together. God works in us individually to bring us together as a family. Verse 40 is the third time that it has been mentioned in this text that the believers are together. 
Look at verse 15 and 34. After she, Lydia, and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And then in verse 34, the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. God works us in us individually to bring us together as a family. And just as that's happened in the story of Philippi, the good work of God that has been started there, so God is at work among us. Are you willing to participate in it? Are you willing to jump in to the river and see what God is doing? Here at New City, we are a blended family of diverse people. I was talking with Nat this week, and he said, you know, it's just incredible that we have people who are in recovery, and we have people who are single and married, and we have young people and elderly people, and we have people from different ethnic and cultural backgrounds, and God has been at work in us all to bring us together, to save us, and become God's blended family. God is at work in you. God is at work in us together. The question is, do you have the eyes to see it? And will you participate with him as he continues to work? Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.